0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that. Opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. Dan Markell was a bright and talented young law professor at Florida State University in Tallahassee. He had two children with his wife, Wendy Adelson. But when Dan and Wendy's marriage broke up, things got very bitter, especially concerning the custody of their children. Wendy wanted to relocate 400 miles away in South Florida where her parents, Harvey and Donna, lived and ran the family's very successful dental practice. Wendy's brother Charlie also lived there and was also a dentist. In court, Dan was winning and the judge was not on board with Wendy's plan to move the children away from their father and away from Tallahassee. But in the end, Wendy did move to South Florida with the children. That's because Dan was shot and killed in his driveway. It was murder for hire wendy's brother charlie was sleeping with a woman named catherine mcbanua who was also sleeping with the father of her children sigfredo garcia charlie paid catherine to get sigfredo and his friend luis rivera to drive from south florida to tallahassee to commit the murder all four have been convicted and now wendy's mother donna has also been charged Tonight, we take a look at newly obtained divorce documents and what they reveal as we continue our investigation into the murder of loving father and law professor Dan Markell. I'm Vinnie Politan. Thank you so much for joining us tonight here on Closing Arguments. Let's begin the way I always begin when we talk about this case, this story, this murder for hire. The victim, Dan Markell, was a loving father. That's why he died. That's why he was murdered. Because he would not compromise. Would not compromise when it came to spending time and being there for his children. He wasn't going to be bought off by money. He was going to do everything he could to make sure he was there physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, to support his children. And His ex and her family wanted those kids 400 miles away. And in the end, his ex-brother-in-law hired two guys to drive 400 miles to shoot him and kill him in his own driveway. It was murder for hire, and all four of them have been convicted now. You're talking about Charlie Adelson, the ex-brother-in-law. He's a dentist. The woman he was sleeping with, Catherine McBanowa, who sort of acted as the broker to, to get her, the other man she was sleeping with, the father of her children, to get his friend, the Latin king, and, and take care of Dan. That's, that's how this went down. They've all, all four, been convicted. They're done. They're done. Yeah, they could file appeals, but right now they are done. But at the center of all of this, and, and, and we go back, is what happened between Dan and Wendy, D-I-V-O-R-C-E. It was a divorce, it was bitter. It was not pretty. There was a divorce and there was also a custody battle as well as to how and where these children should be raised. And that is really the epicenter of everything that happens here. It's, It's what I'm calling the case within the case, right? we're covering the criminal case cases now uh, and trials but they all emanate from this 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 divorce and the question now as ex mother-in-law donna adelson has been charged for all of this was this her m o t i v e motive for all of this was she the one pulling the strings Was she the one whispering in Charlie's ear to get this done? That's what prosecutors are alleging. And tonight, what we're doing is we're going through some of the uh, divorce papers and and things that were filed to get a sense for what was going on and, and would this be enough to take someone from, you know, litigation over, you know, custody of children happens all around the country every day in courthouses from coast to coast. But in this particular case, that things get so personal, so heated, so bitter that it, would, that it would compel a grandmother to have her grandchildren's father murdered? That's the case. And prosecutors have proven it against the ex-brother-in-law. Now the question is, can they prove it? against Donna Adelson. So I want to take a look. And, and this is a real significant part and it was talked about during the course of the trial. Um, the motion that were that were filed by Dan in all of this. Let's put the, the first one up there. Um, on three specific occasions, this is alleged by Dan Markell. On three specific occasions in November of 2013, the children informed Mr. Markell, that's Dan, that Abba, which is dad, Abba, grandma says you're stupid. When queried as to why grandma, the maternal grandmother, we're talking about Donna Adelson, would say such things, the children replied jointly that it is because, quote, she says you, meaning Dan, are trying to take her sunshines away from her. In December of 2013, The youngest son further stated to his dad, Mr. Markell, in front of his former wife, um, Abba Grandma says she hates you. So here's the allegations that Grandma, Donna Adelson, is influencing her grandchildren. To not like and to be influenced as what they think about their father. So Dan in his motion was trying to prevent that from happening any further. Take a look. Dan Markel moves for the following relief, meaning this is what he wants uh, to, the judge to order in the case. Enjoin the former wife, Wendy, from allowing maternal grandmother Donna to have unsupervised time with the children consistent with the right, the first right of refusal and to impose, impose appropriate limitations to safeguard the children from being subjected to disparaging comments about their father. Now, if you're the grandmother, Donna Adelson, um, how personal are you gonna take this? And is this one of those things that kind of takes her from grandmother bad mouthing her former son in law, the father of her grandchildren, to whispering in her son's ear to get somebody to kill Dan. That's what prosecutors are saying here. And and the more you read and the more you get into this, um, it seems very plausible from the evidence that I saw in the trial of Charlie Adelson. Donna's got her trial coming up. She's presumed innocent right now. But let's see how all that evidence uh, plays out. But I want to get more insight into what was happening here. Special guest joining us tonight from Toronto, Ontario. Dan's mother and the author of the book, The Unveiling, A Mother's Reflection on Murder, Grief, and Trial Life. Um, Definitely worth reading. Um, Ruth Markell is with us again. Ruth, uh, great to see you tonight. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. What a pleasure to be here. And a Happy New Year to you.
0: Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So I want to go back to this the divorce and and when Wendy and Dan are splitting. um, Would you describe the the moment you found out that this was shocking? were you blindsided? Was Dan blindsided um, by Wendy deciding to end uh, this marriage and file for divorce?
1: No, he wasn't blindsided. The way she did it, he was blindsided. And I'll make a distinction. In the summer of August of uh, 2012, uh, Wendy uh, and Dan were up north with us in our country cottage in Ontario with the boys. And Wendy said she had to get a job interview with Human Rights Watch. She extended her stay about going to New York. So they were up there for about two, three weeks. And uh, she came back. And in that period of time already, there were clues um, that there was going to be a serious situation, uh, certainly to Phil and I, Dan's father, and uh, we were concerned and so was Danny. Danny didn't like the idea that she sprung this interview a week before they left uh, to come to Canada and it was un- he had no idea. And uh, also she had made other arrangements prior to that that we found out later which was that she had taken the uh, the parent uh, stabilization program, which is a, a course in uh, Tallahassee in July, which already meant that she was planning uh, a very, very uh, major upheaval, which she did. So this was August. In September, Dan was away and she called him on the telephone when he was uh, lecturing in New York City, about to start a lecture. And and she said, I want to leave you. And I want to break up. And Dan was shocked because that's how you do it. So he canceled his his lecture and he got on a plane and and he called us right away. So we were talking to him as he went to the airport. And when he uh, came home to Tallahassee, he got on the phone with us again as he entered the house. And she had uh, really disrupted The whole house, this was a big separation, which already told you that this is not going to be a pleasant divorce. And she took uh, many of the major, you know, pieces of furniture between them, and she also emptied out her half of the bank accounts. And the upstairs, the bedrooms where the kids slept, Dan was devastated, he started to cry when he walked in. There was totally no resemblance of the children's life in the house and in the cupboard were small clothes like if they were four and three at the time they she maybe left them in a cupboard size 2x i don't know if you know the distinctions but smaller clothes so there was nothing really uh that was useful he was devastated at what happened upstairs and he went downstairs to the master bedroom and there were divorce papers on the bed so that was like a a total shock and not with equal custody at that moment and the children weren't home and nobody knew where they were and where was wendy
0: and there was nothing was there like any moment that precipitated this like sometimes couples can get into a big fight there can be accusations of this or that was was any of that happening like like one big moment some yes. blow up so she's got to she's got to get out of the house
1: no no it wasn't a, a blow up in this period there was actually A very first serious signal in 2011. Uh, Dan was was uh, speaking in Israel and uh, when he came home back to Florida and we were there because it was Christmas break and when he came back uh, from Florida uh, he found out that uh, Donna and Wendy who had been there together uh, had given the children shrimp and they had given them all the kinds of foods and bacon that are not part of the Jewish dietary law and you could tell already, he knew already then uh, that there was some really, really serious stuff. And uh, and Donna had actually had some kosher uh, turkey for uh, American Thanksgiving. But by the time the kids came back after a whole month, everything was totally, totally um, disrupted and sabotaged. And after that point, um, Dan and Wendy went home uh, to Tallahassee and they started to have marriage counseling. So I wouldn't say that there was a blow up prior to the September event, that Danny called his Pearl Harbor, but there certainly was a lead up uh, in in the earlier months.
0: Now, as everyone who's been following this story knows, your your son Dan, brilliant attorney, a law professor, how involved was he in the day-to-day litigation of his let's begin with the divorce um and 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 the and the custody issues was how involved was he in terms of figuring out what motions to file and and what they should allege etc
1: no he was very involved he took it seriously and so did wendy for that matter they were both lawyers uh it was not a, a compatible uh, situation all the way to the point of the divorce from the separation. There were many disputes about um, the uh, coordinating practices from the court about if Danny uh, was able to see the kids or talk to the kids after the third night or fourth night, whatever they had agreed upon uh, on to see the children on FaceTime, uh, Wendy didn't always make herself available. There was a lot of stuff happening and there were disputes, and and certainly both of them, through their lawyers and on their own, in that respect, initiated quite a few of the attempts to get things resolved, but they really weren't resolving yeah, what,
0: what troubles me it, it just seems that two smart people who are have children that there would be some all right we're splitting up, let's have a meeting how do we how do we? break this to the children and how do we make it as smooth as possible for them rather than this abrupt just up and leave that part really really uh, bothers me um did that bother dan well, you a lot? started
1: out no you started out the show tonight realistically uh, actually talking about donna and and donna was the major interference okay so this is this is not a normal relationship now. It's like you know Princess Diana said there were three in the marriage, and there were three in the marriage, and that is the problem. When the, when Donna uh, when the Wendy and Danny had agreements to take kosher food uh, to the uh, to the daycare, Donna was the one who came in and said, "Don't bother giving them uh, tofu uh, hot dogs." Don't do that. And then she takes them to, make, to McDonald's and gives them cheeseburgers. And then she disrupts the activities. And uh, so you're not dealing with a couple, you're dealing with a threesome. And Donna liked to call the shots. Uh, Donna definitely organized, uh, you know, all, all of the uh, activities of the family. I would say if you were writing a symphony, she wrote the score, she was the conductor, and she also played everybody's instrument. So I think that you're not
0: dealing with a normal rift in a relationship. I wanna pull out a different part of of one of the motions that was filed in in this case. Um, Take a look at the screen, everyone. And again, this is from papers that were filed by Dan. In July of 2012, prior to the separation, Ms. Adelson had gone to the safe deposit box and without permission or notice to Mr. Markel, took whatever she wanted, including various pieces of valuable jewelry from Mr. Markel's family. The former wife, Wendy, declared that if Professor Markell's 96-year-old uncle, uh, Lazar Lapidus, asked for the jewelry back that had belonged to his deceased wife, a Holocaust survivor, then Ms. Adelson would, quote, give it back to him. Professor Markel sent former wife a letter from his uncle, Lazar, asking for the jewelry back former wife curtly refused to return the jewelry claiming that it was not part of the marriage settlement agreement. What can you tell us about this piece of jewelry and the significance and what happened here?
1: Well, Wendy still has it. That's the bottom line. And she did take it out of the box without any conversation. And it's a very unfortunate situation because my uncle Uh, was able to be saved coming out of Germany. And as many people might know, or they don't know, people brought back diamonds as portable wealth. And this diamond came back as part of his entrance into Canada and he gave it to his wife as part of her engagement ring. And The irony here is that uh, Danny gave it to Wendy and Wendy wore it a little bit, but on the wedding day, Wendy had her own grandmother's ring and she wanted to wear it, which everybody agreed to. So Wendy had another other engagement ring. This was not something that she specifically needed this diamond for. It had no real emotional value to her. And basically, she took it for the money and kept it.
0: Uh, uh, to me, that speaks volumes. Speaks volumes about it. And th- the fact that... <clears throat> This was her original ring and she got a different one, which was her grandmother's, I get it. Um, is that something you think that Donna wanted? Was she, was she part of that
1: conversation? I'm sure Donna was very much respectful of her mother. And, uh, you know, I mean, there is something sometimes if you have some kind of emotional attachment uh, to that. And Wendy actually, I, th- I believe the grandmother lived with them a little while. So she also might've had some emotional attachment, but nobody was challenging that. I mean that was nothing that Danny even raised and no none of us for sure not. We were not even around at that point. Uh so there was no issue really of what ring Wendy could wear and she could choose to wear whatever she wanted to, but it had no no real personal value to her other than a financial one, and probably despite Danny.
0: Yeah. I I I'm sensing some of that a lot of that as we are reading through all these papers um ruth i want to thank you so much for joining us tonight always great to speak with you the unveiling a mother's reflection on murder grief and trial life Uh, a great read especially for court tv viewers because you watch these trials and, and and you see how victims and their families are impacted uh but to really get insight into what it's like um it's worthwhile to read that book ruth thank you so much
1: Thank you so much, and thank you for keeping light on this horrible story.
0: We absolutely will. Now back to the Court TV podcast.
2: When did you separate from Professor Markell? In the fall of 2012. Whose decision was it to separate? It was my decision. Do you recognize the exhibit? I do. Is it a fair and accurate copy of your divorce file? It looks like it, yes. All right. And is it fair to say this was a contentious litigation process that you had with your ex? It was.
0: It was contentious, to say the least. Dan Markell and Wendy Adelson, the divorce, and then the ensuing custody battle that continued past uh, the divorce. take a look here. I'm going to give you a flavor for what was going on here and how really it all started, uh, at least officially started. On the weekend, preceding Monday, September 10, 2012, while Mr. Markell was away for a short business trip, Ms. Adelson abandoned Mr. Markell and their marital home, taking with her the couple's two toddler children and with the help of her parents and professional movers, whichever furniture and belongings she wanted for herself and the children. She left behind no address for the children, no pajama bottoms or clean socks, no diapers, no wipes, and not even a bed for their eldest son, just a crib mattress on the floor. She took numerous non-marital items, such as the former husband's tennis racket and family jewelry, as well as hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash and equities from their bank and investment accounts. Among the things she left behind on the bed, however, were divorce papers dated September 5th, 2012, five days before all of this, signed before Mr. Markell even went on his trip. This abrupt and cruel departure shocked Mr. Markell, who in a six-year marriage unmarked by any abuse, addiction, or infidelity, was devoted to his wife and children. And we know that during the course of this custody battle that Wendy's brother hired people to murder Dan. We know that the jury told us let me bring in my guest joining me tonight in Orlando Florida psychotherapist CEO of life counseling solutions dr. Janie Lacey in Philadelphia Pennsylvania family law attorney Jennifer Brandt and in McKinney Texas prosecutor defense counsel creator of jury trial jury trial mentor YouTube channel Carl Steinbeck who knows everything about this case inside and out trust me okay let me begin here um Jennifer Brandt how normal is what I just described to you two adults well there's no abuse in the house no one's getting beaten up um you've got children someone goes away for a business trip but all of a sudden everything's gone
3: you know Vinnie, it happens I wouldn't say it's normal I wouldn't say it's routine it's not the normal divorce but there are certainly situations where this exact type of scenario happens someone goes away the house gets cleaned out the spouse and the kids are gone. And it is a rotten way to start a divorce because if that's how you're starting out, clearly there's not going to be any real chance, at least initially, of collaboration. Let me ask you this, though. collaboration.
0: Can one parent just grab the kids and take them and not let the other parent know where they are and take all their stuff? I don't get no, that.
3: They They shouldn't. They should not do that because it certainly doesn't look well, in the eyes of the court, and the sounds court like is, kidnapping. You know, upset. It is not kidnapping, though, Vinnie, because both parents have equal rights to the kids. Either parent can take the kids anywhere. I mean, you could take your kids on a trip. You could take your kids to the family. Without telling members, the other
0: one where they are or where you telling, went.
3: Well, during
0: during we got to change those laws, Jennifer.
3: Well, what's going on? Well, but it is not the way to start out a divorce. No. It is not the way to start out a custody matter, and judges get very angry about that, and usually punish the parent who who does that type of thing. So it's a big no-no if you're if you're starting out a divorce.
0: All right, Dr. Janie Lacy, your thoughts about what happens to let's begin with young children, who you know, Wendy, for whatever reason, didn't want to have a conversation with Dan about how to explain what was about to happen to the children and figure out a smooth way to do it. What what? could it do to children just being ripped out of your house and and gone and separated from your father like that?
4: Well, at the age that the children were when all this was going down, it's a very, very important developmental time because they're not necessarily may not know what's going on but they're going to feel it right so whether it's the anxiety whether it's the tension all of that stuff gets caught in these children's nervous system so we know that there would be an effect for these children regardless if they knew what was happening or not and not having that level of consideration for them and not understanding what's happening that confusion that anxiety and depending on how mom was positioning the stories and narratives to the children could have a short-term as well as a long-term effect based off of everything that they've probably experienced firsthand.
0: Carl Steinbeck, something that jumps out to me in, in this part of these divorce papers that we're taking a look at tonight. Um, with the help of her parents and professional movers, how much of a role did Donna Adelson have in all of this? And in, 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 the, in the divorce, in the separation and the way it all went down.
5: She played a key, key role in this whole thing. She generated a lot of the vicious hatred and cruelty directed not only towards Dan, but it also appears that way towards the kids as well, because the kids have really pretty much for the most part been cut out of the Markel family tree. And so I think this is really gonna backfire on them when this goes before a jury and you bring up that denial of visitation it really strikes home for Donna and especially will strike home for Wendy when she faces her trial.
0: Let's take a look at this now. You ready, Jennifer? You, you're watching? Um, I'm watching? Okay, former wife filed a false and misleading financial disclosure form. The financial affidavit, which is required to be produced under the relevant Florida rules, suffered from the following major errors. Omitting the former wife's retirement account Um, worth $145,000, omitting an account that at the time of separation at Charles Schwab, uh, worth $50,000, listing the value of the car, the jewelry in her possession, and all other personal property at zero, understating her then salary by several thousand dollars. Okay, I get it, right? You're getting divorced, you want to get as much as you can, but you do have to be kind of honest about what you have like what's your take on on why uh, alleged errors like this would be made are they made on purpose are these like big obvious ones that like anyone separating all right how much money you're making um uh what accounts do you have is that pretty normal or do you think this could be an honest potential error that was made
3: well, look, Vinny, I mean, you do have to disclose all of your assets, your finances, your income. And these things are usually readily known to you. I mean, how much is in your retirement account? Do you have a retirement account? I mean, even if you're not aware of it, you usually are told by your attorney um, in the court to find out what what is it that you have. And usually these um, certifications, financial certifications, financial disclosures are usually signed or provided under oath. So you're signing a certification or a verification that this is true and correct just like you would testify in court that it's true and correct and then sometimes it carries the same penalties of contempt if you're not accurate in these filings so yes could people make a mistake or you know slightly mistake something or forget an asset it happens but this sounds like a litany of things that were forgotten or misrepresented or not represented at all so it sounds like uh, there was some dishonesty in these disclosures
0: but wait there's more Take a look at this. Uh, More of the uh, uh, allegations made by Dan in these divorce papers. The former wife is not a helpless character in this drama. She's a 34-year-old public interest lawyer, the winner of numerous national fellowships and prizes who simply helped herself to $600,000 in cash, liquid equities, and other assets upon separation. She makes six figures in a low-cost city and has wealthy parents who placed her in a financial cocoon And upon belief, by paying her legal fees, they allowed and encouraged her to take the most aggressive and unsubstantiated legal postures possible because there would be no financial consequences for her doing so. If she wanted to leave the marriage because she fell out of love, that is one thing. But she could have done so without taking more than the necessities so that a proper and fair distribution could have immediately followed. So, Dr. Janie Lacey, my... When I, Looking at cases that I've studied through the years of divorces, the, the bitterness between people manifests itself in, in two ways uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the divorce. Money and custody. Money and custody. D- do you think, is it greed or is it being vindictive and just trying to take as much as you can from him because you hate him? or is it like, I deserve this? Where do you think it's coming from in in this, in this scenario?
4: When we look at these scenarios that are very similar to this, it's not in how the relationships begin. It's usually how they end, that people's true character shines brightly. But when we're looking at the statement that there was no addiction, there's no infidelity, right, and then we're looking at her actions, we're going to look at this as emotional manipulation, which is kind of telling us that there was probably a strong lack of empathy at this place for her to be so calculating and to do things and to blindside, right? It's a chess move when we look at the emotional manipulation that happens between couples and you're looking at this struggle for power and control and getting these things on the upper hand by eliminating things, manipulating things, right? So when we're looking at this, there probably was all these things that were at play that my assumption would be that she had at play long before she pulled the carpet underneath him. That he was blindsided for because that emotional manipulation is usually they're not showing their hand. It's more passive-aggressive behavior in the relationship dynamics that we see that turn toxic um, as as this relationship
0: did. So, Carl, where do you think the bitterness w- was was coming? Do you think it was Wendy or do you think it was Donna kind of in Wendy's ear all through this? Because um, that's going to be perhaps the allegation by prosecutors that that Donna is the one really fueling the bitterness in, in what is happening here between Wendy and Dan.
5: Right. I think Donna had more of the uncontrolled rage towards Dan, but Wendy was the one that was feeding her all the details to get her to that point of rage and to the point of wanting to get Dan murdered and uh, executed in his own garage so if you really think about who was starting the whole chain of events it was really wendy more than anybody
0: fascinating fascinating she hasn't been charged just that's always got her mind folks no she's been a witness with some level of limited immunity when she testifies but she has not been charged yet and we, we shall see all right everyone staying where they are when we come back We're going to talk about the other big, big issue in this case, which is custody and the relocation of the children. Was that the MOTIVE for murder?
5: Now, back to the Court TV podcast. And
2: that's the filing in reference to your motion for relocation? Yes. Paragraph E references the job offer. The wife also desires to relocate to South Florida in order to provide a better quality of life for the children by increasing their access to close family and providing more stability and consistency. Who is the close family in South Florida? The close family would have been my mom and my dad and my brother. And which brother is that? My brother that's here today. Charlie Adelson? That's correct.
0: Okay. It's what it's all about. Wanted to get those kids down to South Florida, away from Tallahassee. Who wants to live in Tallahassee? We live in South Florida. That's where Grandma is and Uncle Charlie. Mm. All right. So let's take a look here. This is the um, order that was filed by the judge in response to the wife, uh, Wendy's petition to relocate to South Florida with the minor children. This court does not find that wife has met the burden of proof that a relocation is in the best interest of the minor children. The court orders the parties to mediation to resolve the remaining issues pending final hearing in this case, currently set for July 31st and August 1st of 2013. Let's take a listen to more of Wendy Adelson now talking about an email that her mother sent her.
2: It reads, however, the rest of your life, and consequently, dad's, mine, and yes, even Charlie's, will be affected by how well you can perform slash act before July 31st. You need to be a good actress, when you, or you can be a good actress when you want to. I've seen you in action. You need to put on the performance of your life. Jibbers hasn't beaten the Adelson family yet. Who's Jibbers? She's referring to Danny. So in this, again, your mom is referencing how everyone's life is being affected by this relocation, including your brother Charlie. Do you agree with that? That is what she said, yes. Alright. Is your mom overprotective of you? Yes. <laughs> Alright. And is it fair to say she's you know a little on the controlling side? I don't think she's controlling, but she's definitely overprotective.
0: All right, Carl Steinbeck, what what do you see as the significance of this email from Donna to Wendy?
5: Right. I think that uh, the email shows the level of hatred and uh, the desperation, really, they had to win this case. The Adelsons were not going to lose. The Adelsons had to win against Dan, and they were going to lose badly against this judge. This judge was going to see through exactly what kind of shenanigans Wendy was playing, she was not acting in the best interest of the children. I think Dan went into a lot of good details explaining how he was denied the first right of refusal for visitation for the two boys. And so you get this whole flavor that things were just really being uh, viciously and uh, intentionally directed against Dan just to really get under his skin, just really to upset him. And, uh, you know, you think of the irony of it, it's like the the, – Adelson's Harvey and Donna. They could have easily moved up to Tallahassee. They're pretty much ready to wind up their practice and whatnot. So instead of doing that, they thought, you know, it's better to kill uh, Dan Markell to get the kids down there and everything worked beautifully for many years for them that way.
0: Let let me ask you, uh, Dr. Jenny Lacey. Two things here. One, this um, relationship between mother and daughter, Donna and Wendy and how you can get to that point because at a minimum charlie ordered this hit like how do how do you go from a a battle in a courtroom to to hiring a latin king and his buddy to perform a hit and to drive like how emotionally does someone get there
4: well emotionally people do get there and they start with that as we just heard my co panelists mention, with this hatred, and then they almost look at this person as an object to be removed, and this lack of empathy and this dehumanization of them that can occur. And when we hear this, um, what happened with with Donna, right, we're hearing that she's putting this fight as almost as if it's her getting divorced. And when you get to this place, you're going to win at all costs. And when you went at all costs, I would also tell me that she potentially had this mindset long before uh, Wendy had met Dan. And then we're looking at her daughter being guilted and her shaming her and kind of using her in a sense of probably being in control and, and created this dynamic, this narcissistic family dynamic from these when they were very, very young. So her getting to this place now, this place, she's probably not lost a lot of things in her life, so to speak. And been able to use money power and control to do that and as we heard the language she was taken on this fight as if it was her own
0: jennifer brand you've tried many of these cases been in the middle of it been in the trenches how common is it for the in-laws to play such a prominent role in the litigation in the battle the custody battle the divorce
3: you know, Vinny, the biggest problem that I have as an attorney and a, my fellow attorneys is having third parties whispering in the ear of your client and trying to influence your client and, and, and saying what they think is right and wrong. Um, those are the people that are most dangerous in the divorce because they are not involved in the day-to-day aspect of the divorce, but they're you know they're emotional. They're uh, they want to control the situation and grandparents are prime suspects in this, especially when it comes to grandchildren. You know, oftentimes they have a close relationship with the grandchildren. They want to be involved in the grandchildren's lives and they're fearful that they may not be as involved, you know, because the other party is going to have the children part of the time. So you know, there's a lot of, of influence that they can have on a, on a person and it really can disrupt the whole proceeding. And areas where parties may have agreed maybe they are not able to agree because you have these other people whispering in their ear and telling them what to do and trying to control the the outcome so and this donna adelson boy she really sounds like she was controlling all of it um even her own daughter mentioned you know that she's over overprotective and looking at the email hearing those the emails like an us against you know our whole family against uh dan markel we need to win I mean, these kind of sentiments really don't belong in a custody proceeding or a divorce proceeding.
0: Carl, having studied all this, watched the trials, and, and read all the evidence in here, what's what's your take? What does your gut tell you about the Adelson family? Was it was it about entitlement? and They're just used to getting what they want. Was it uh, bitterness because things got very personal? Like I. I, I, I I think all of us have the difficulty trying to understand how a family that had so much and the opportunity to do so much and provide so much could get to the point of of ordering a hit.
5: Right, well, I think if you look at their uh, history, this wasn't the first conflict they had in their life on a major scale. But what has happened is in the past, they could always win the conflict through money and political connections and that's what I think they were banking on they thought there's no way that Dan Markell despite him being a highly successful highly respected professor of international fame despite him being gunned down they can overcome that they had no fear in fact even Charlie in his own trial we heard from the jail calls had no fear of losing the case at all he thought he had won he thought his attorney had done a great job and then lo and behold he suddenly loses and he's just absolutely Baffled by this. So I, I think they just thought that whatever they say goes, and they're always able to uh, con and, and win people over.
0: There you have it. If you want to see more in depth reporting on the latest true crime stories, you can see me every weeknight, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Closing Arguments. Thank you so much for downloading. And as always, please don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to courttv.com for more content trials on demand, and to find out how to watch CORE TV in your area.